Good evening and welcome to the Laughing Monkey Music Show. Today we have an Ivor SK. How are you? Not too bad at all, Sean. Thanks for having me on, Matt. Well, I'm glad I'm glad you come on. Um, Ivor's a newish artist to the uh, to me, at least. <laughs> You've been playing for a few years. You're from Australia, and you... I am indeed. I'm from uh, from Sydney, and now you're over in the U.S. Correct. I am. Yes, I moved to New Orleans about five years ago now. You are a really bluesy player. How did somebody from Australia end up with the blues? That's, you know. It's, it is, yeah, because we are along. We couldn't really be further removed from it. I probably owe it to my parents more than anyone else. Okay. Um, probably my earliest and particularly most vivid memories of music are, are my mum playing a Little Richard record. Or well, it was actually a CD. It was a little blues CD. The greatest hits that was good golly miss molly lucille long tall sally so not a blues artist per se but harmonically speaking it's all the same deal um and they also had an album called jive bunny a record um which was a released in the late 80s early 90s by a couple of english djs and they essentially mixed nine or ten tracks together and it was just 50s rock and roll that would go from Cochrane into Fats Domino right. into Bo Diddley okay, or whatever. Yeah. Oh, so, yeah, those mega mixes. Um, yeah. Exactly, exactly. And little kids, we used to dance around to it and love it. Um, and my parents are big Dr. John, B.B. King, Taj Mahal fans. So <clears throat> those sorts of melodies and harmonically all that stuff was floating through the house from as early as I can remember. So I think something about getting in your head that early just stuck with me. I mean, as a when I got into elementary school, I got, the harder it rocked, the more I loved it. Right. And so I was a, a long way from blues. I used to hate it when Mum played BB King or Marvin Gaye at home or whatever. I used to. It wasn't. It didn't rock hard enough. When, um, when did but they when change? I started playing, yeah, yeah, it was my first guitar lesson was uh, with a guy up the road from my house, and he taught me a blues in E and a blues in A, and the blues in E was Dust My Broom by Elmore James. And the blues in A was Roll Over Beethoven by Chuck Berry. Um, and I, I found it easy to grip onto, probably because it was somewhere deep in the subconscious. When I was a little kid, I could feel when it was time to change. And I guess we're also programmed for the 12 bar and feeling the one to four, right. one to five progression. Um, so I think it was, yeah, about 13, 14, the guitar lesson tapped back into it. I think practically putting it back together. Um, I just, and he suddenly, he dropped names like Big Bill Brunzi during the lessons, uh, Johnny Winter. Yep, um, I did know, I had no idea there were two other Kings. I had no idea there was a Freddie or an Albert. So, um, yeah, little, little nuggets like that started yeah. to drop out in guitar lessons. It, so as they, with, with the blues to me is always interesting. You have a couple of different layers of blues. Because blues itself playing itself is not overly, unless you get really jamming, it's not overly technical. It's, it's a lot of standards and stuff. But there's a fine line between somebody playing the droning blues that makes everybody crazy and also be good enough to be able to play it with the technique and the finesse and the heart. And that can be not even noticeable because you, you, you can't uh, navigate that. You know what I mean? It's just it, it, either you're doing it or you're not. And if you don't do it, it's painful for everybody. You know, if you do do it, they're like, oh, it's a blues band. Like, you know, there's a difference. And, and it's not, and yeah, it's not yeah. like it's a hard thing. It's more of a, 
it's in you or you learn it, I guess. You know, exactly. It's you couldn't be more right. I used to play with a drummer and we'd play, we played in sort of an R and B funk. There was a whole, a whole mess of um, music like that, but he used to play in a blues band. And he said, sometimes it's like that. Sometimes it's just not feeling it or the guitar players subbed out and someone else is in and it feels like torture feels like two hours of the same chord progression yep. over and over and over. No it's, one's it's, feeling it. No, it's droning. There's, there's got to yeah. be something special. To, to hit it right, when you hit it right, you hit it right. It almost doesn't even feel like yep. blues exactly. anymore. It feels like it's just another, it's like another galaxy. It's another place, you know. You know, that's the hard thing. Exactly. And you do exactly. it. You went electric, do you do, I see you do mostly acoustic now. Do you still mix it up or are you just mostly acoustic? No, on the albums, I definitely um, stretch out. Um, probably the new album that's coming out, I'd say two-thirds of the album has at least some electric guitar on there. Because um, for years, from the age I started playing at 16 through to sort of 25, 26, that's really what I did. Acoustics sort of scared me a little bit. I used to do duo gigs and you'd have to get on them, but it's a it's an acoustic instrument suddenly you got to pull the sound out it's a, such more it's a more of a physical contest anyway than it's really training with the electric you learn a song on a, if you learn a song i like to learn on acoustic really good and then when you play it on electric it's like you're you're like you're a superhero your hands are so strong and it's so easy you know it's like a toy you know that's that's exactly what i used to use it's like a semi-trailer to a Lamborghini. It's like yeah. suddenly you've got all this room. It feels, it just feels beautiful. It does. Um, so, and I was, yeah, I didn't do enough of that. I should have done a lot more. <laughs> so I was, it was, I'd, 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 I'd gravitate towards the acoustic if I had to for a gig. Um, but I did, once I started acoustic, I probably for a year, I didn't touch the electric. And I also went from, <clears throat> from pick to fingers too. Um, for years, if I didn't have a pick or a plectrum nearby, I, I almost couldn't play unless it was a set finger finger picking pattern. I was just always picked up the pick. So I started to study guys like Rai Kuda, um, Taj Mahal, and going back to the Delta guys too, Robert Johnson and Booker White and those guys, and just seeing that it wasn't quite that Travis picking. There was no, there was a little bit of alternating, but not to that extent. But it was that, that steady beat, all four beats, and then the, the top fingers just hitting the treble strings and picking out melodies. That took, I mean, I really had to sit there with a metronome and figure out to get the feel of it. Um, and then to sing over the top of that too started to become a nightmare. Um, but yeah, I did. I played electric for a long time and it still, it still works its way in because it's, it just feels so free, you know, I mean, acoustic, not, not to say that finger picking and finger style isn't, but it's just very nice to get those little nuances, the little, it feels like you can just bend and express a lot easier through an electric than, well, than an they, acoustic. They so. are, they are just paintbrushes, you know, for the song. I mean, and, and with finger picking though, it really kind of, to me, it's, it really, it's, Got that rockability R&B almost with finger picking. It feels like it starts to cross into R&B blues, because with, with finger picking, it kind of brings up to a different level because it's not the same as the scales. Because you really start getting to it, and even even that old country, you know, finger picking. And I mean, it gets really. Brilliant. There is there's so much borrowing between the country and blues players like that. Yeah, that's interesting. Yeah, I mean, you probably see so much now like you weren't seeing before, as far as blues and influences and. 
you know, from Australia. It must have been like a, like a, a mecca. It was. It was like you're living in a shoebox and you're suddenly you're in a mansion or something, you know. Like John Cleary, who's a, a big piano player down here, played with Bonnie Raitt for a long time, was in Taj Mahal's band. Um, and he's sort of the heir apparent to Dr. John. He's probably the next, the next piano player. When he came to Sydney, you're probably looking at a hundred bucks a ticket. You had to be on the ball to even get a ticket to see him sell out. And here he'd play for like ten bucks in corner bars to sometimes ten or eleven people. That's in supply song. and demand. And that's supply and demand. Yeah, exactly. In America, it's very much so. It, it's it's unbelievable, isn't it? Um, and it's. It was, I think, probably the coolest part of that was just because they were so relaxed, because it was 10 or 11 people at home, you saw yeah. them. They weren't on the road with a drilled show having to, right. you know, they're, they're on the road doing their thing. It was him and he'd stretch out and pick out a song out of the back pocket. It's kind of good, though, too. In four years or whatever. Well, when somebody's paying that much money, they're really committed. Exactly. It's not, no one's just dialing it in. They're there because they're a fan, you know. So to them, it's that much more exciting after being on the road for so long. To, to get you know real real absolutely real the energy from just 10 11 people is probably more than you'll get from a whole bar on, on a wrong night um <laughs> that's it absolutely well don't forget like it's so like you go over anywhere which different is always better like for blues you know i imagine things uh, you know like well a lot of the stuff you guys do over there you come over here the value is different you know even, even accents it's like you have a cool accent right but where you are you know, an accent, right? But now I get the Australian accent here, or, or you know, or a lot of rock bands. It is, it's so true. And even, same thing. Yeah. Same deal, exactly. They just hold a, particularly going back through the history of blues, too. So many of the, uh, particularly musicians out of here, Champion Jack Dupre, a piano player, ended up living in France because it was just a different appreciation for what he was doing. James Booker, another sort of phenomenal piano player to come out of here. He'd go over and tour Europe for three months and they thought he was, he walked on water and he'd come back here and he'd struggle to get a $50 solo piano. There was a, a little old lady at the airport while we were waiting for our luggage and she looked a little bit frail. So I offered to help her with her luggage if she needed a hand with it. And she happened to be sort of BB King's PR for 30 years. She was his road manager for five years. And what? she was down there to visit Taj Mahal, who was playing at the uh, jazz festival. And she could not have been sweeter. She sort of took me under a wing and uh, showed me to different bars and clubs around town. Wow. Um, and one of her friends offered to manage me if I came over. So that became a four-year process of figuring out how that was possible. Um, and I ended up going in the green card lottery. And I got pulled out of the green card lottery because it was about three or four grand for a performing artist visa. So it's just too much money to, to keep yeah. doing that. Um, and so I got pulled out of the green card lottery and was able to, um, to move over here permanently in 17. Wow, very good. Very good. It's, it's going to be a challenge to come over here to do that. But so are you, dual, are you a dual citizenship now? Um, I... I do. I've got permanent residency here. And I can apply. I'm actually now that I've been here for five years, I can uh, naturalize. I can apply for a passport now. Yeah. Um, at the moment, we're still waiting for a product like a lot of people. Um, it's two weeks behind where it should be. 
Um, I've got a tour of Australia in November and December coming up. So it's probably looking like an early October release at the moment. I'll do a little tour of the uh, Delta up here because we're within touching distance to such a blues hotspot. Mm. I'll probably head up there and do a few shows and then um, head over to Australia for November and December. So the, so the single itself, though, I was asking actually before, how, how, is it, how is it doing? Are you getting some good feedback? Is it like, I don't know what the competition is for, for that style of music, especially where you are. It feels like it's got to be pretty heavy. It, it is. There's so much stuff and it, everything touches on one another. So you are competing with funk and soul. It's, it is all put into one pot. Um, it's the first song I've had picked up by Sirius XM. So it's been on uh, BB King's Bluesville station, um, which has been cool. It's the first time I've made that station. Very um, cool. Uh, it's getting quite a bit of coverage in the Netherlands, which is uh, very cool. Got some airplay there last night. Um, and it's been in a couple of publications online over there. Um, it's getting played all over Australia. I get a pretty decent support back home, which I'm very grateful for. Cool. Um, there's a, a lot of community radio stations that support blues and, I guess, roots and rock music in general. Um, so that's been very cool. So, yeah, it's, it's got a much better response than I thought it would have. It's, uh, to, to get picked up by Sirius XM was a bit of a surprise, to be honest. Uh, yeah. Congratulations on that. It's really cool. Yeah, it's, it's hard. It's, it, the blues is not the, the hit-making <laughs> genre either where, you know, there's a million stations out there. I'd have to look to find a blue station myself. You know, where I listen to stuff like Johnny, yeah, which I, exactly. I, I have all the blues I listen to. I listen to it. I already have it, or I, I deep dive and find it. I don't listen to any blue stations, so I wouldn't even know where to hear blues. So you can't listen to me. With with Americana, you could probably do a lot of that. You know, you could probably blend into those those that um that territory. You know, that's got a nice little subculture here. In Absolutely, the US. um, it's. It's become huge. Even in Australia, there's a, a real Americana vibe. Like you were saying earlier, the, being surprised at the country music that comes out of Australia. Mm. I was too. I think it's, it is one of the biggest industries in terms of genre. We have a, a country town called Tamworth that has a music festival every year. That's, I yeah. believe, the second biggest music festival after the Blues and Roots Festival. So absolutely, there's... Um, there is so much out there. I mean, Keith Urban, I guess, the country artist who came over here, a lot yep. of our big artists, I guess, come over here and then make their name. And I guess he was a session guitar player too. Um, and it comes down to it as well, going back to it. He came over just yeah. as a, a straight-up guitar swinger. Well, you know what it is, is, I think, if you look at the numbers, like to go platinum in Australia, it's not as big as being a platinum in the U.S. I mean, I think in the platinum in the U.S., you need like what, a million. And, and in Australia, you need like 50,000 or something or... I think am I right now is it fifty thousand or a hundred thousand? Exactly. It's, it's not as much. It's not. It's not a dig. I mean, yeah. it's hard to sell records now. Platinum albums, platinum artists are not selling that many now. You know, you know if they hit five hundred thousand, it's it's a good number, yeah. which would be huge. It'd be a diamond, I think, over in Australia. But if it had half a million here, exactly, would be, you know, huge. So so it's a real real where uh, yeah. the industry is a little Absolutely. weird right now. You know, but. It doesn't mean anything now, though. You, mm -hmm. you, can, you can be a, you can be very niche and just service your audience and focus on them and survive and do well nowadays. And you can just have your own spots, like on the internet or on your websites. And you don't need the radio will help or, or, or shows. You know, you want your word, but you can kind of do a lot of your own stuff now without depending on people. 
it's so true you can kind of run off from almost like a small business model mm-hmm. um and please the people who are into your sort of stuff um particularly i think that was one of the attractions to new orleans was like you were saying the difference between australia and new orleans there's there is a diehard fan base for blues and roots music in australia there's like i said our biggest festival at byron bay is a blues and roots festival when you got there you first obviously you you were the new fish in the sea how hard was it getting your your feet in there was it like i don't know the, the i don't know down there like how how is it an open community where they're like come on in there's room for everybody or you're like you kind of had to prove yourself a little bit of both, a lot more warmth compared to Sydney where I came from, yeah. um, which was uh, very interesting. And I got, I, I really got very fortunate, I guess, like anyone does to, to try and string it together and keep it going. I, um, a club down here, Chikiwawa, which is, uh, the guy really built it as a listening room which in New Orleans is very interesting. If you go to a Bourbon Street place mm-hmm. or a Frenchman Street club, the band might be playing, but it's a heaving bar. There's screaming and shouting. It's four deep, five deep, six deep at the bar. But this guy sort of built it almost as if you'd paid good money to come and just hear the music in silence with a good sound system, a good view of the stage. So he controlled it like a marshal, like it was... <laughs> If people were talking too loud or too drunk, he'd say, look, are you here to listen to the music or drink here? I'll give you five bucks. Get on the streetcar, go and get yourself a beer on Bourbon Street or something like he he heavily curated it as a music room. And I got very lucky in that he um, I handed a CD into him and um, he enjoyed it. And he ended up giving me a regular weekly spot there. And this was probably about I guess six weeks, two months uh, into moving to New Orleans. Wow, that's pretty good. And that sort of took a whole lot of anxiety and stress and pressure because you're just you're sort of you're scrabbling for a gig or to, just to find places to work. Um, so that just settled me right down and gave me two feet on the ground, something to work towards every week. And I was able to build from there. And he was lovely. He ended up... Um, introducing me to the guy who runs the new orleans cigar box guitar festival down here um and so i ended up uh i play that every year i'm the traditional opening act for that now so i I found i got very lucky i found a little guardian angel about two months off the plane who sort of gave me a spot to play and started to to put my name around so i'm forever grateful for that that's very cool you so you still play there right you still play for him I did. Unfortunately, Dale, the guy I met, passed away during COVID. Um, and so uh, the his heirs have been uh, wrapping up the business and selling it. Um, but fortunately, the Civic Theatre down here or people involved with the Civic Theatre have come in and they've picked it up and they want to keep the name going, keep the, the general atmosphere of the venue going. So they're refurbishing now. It should open at the end of summer. Um, and so hopefully Chikiwawas will come back as it was, which would be, uh, would be unbelievable. Because I know it's a, long before I came here, it was a big, a bit of a beacon for musicians post-Katrina. He, he purchased the building around them and ended up giving a lot of local roots musicians a regular spot to play. So it'd be great if it uh, came back as it was for the city anyway. Yeah, with good his memory, to, you know, out there. So when you tour now, are you just are you, so really it's just you and your guitar, right? And you don't have a band or anything. You just 
Absolutely, it's been quite. I mean, I guess you miss that band camaraderie and the, you know, it's like, you know, you're going off together somewhere. But logistically, if you do get offered some gigs here or there, it's always nice to, you know, you just think, well, can I do it? Can I throw a guitar in the back of the car right. and go and do it? So logistically, it's made it far easier. Um, and it would be nice on stage. You certainly have moments where it's all on you. You've got to keep the groove. You've got to sing. You've got to, there's a lot more going on. You've got a lot more responsibility. And if you're in a band and you can back off and, you know, you're working together and you're making something happen with, with other people. Mm -hmm. um, so you, you have moments like that, but at the moment it's, yeah, it's a pretty stripped back arrangement for touring, which is a nice change, I guess. I was used to the other way. So it is nice to have a little less baggage on the road. This is this is fantastic. So right now, though, because obviously there's a delay in your album coming out, you have a single out. I encourage you to check out, and I'll put the website there. Where can people see you now play in the meantime before you do your tour? So I play um, once a month. I've got a few regular spots around New Orleans. I play a place called Bouray, um, which have been uh, brilliant since the pandemic. Um, they've, they're a, a killer restaurant, but they've got a nice little stage and a beautiful restaurant. And they've been having three or four acts a day down there um, and really keeping the music going. So I play there once or twice a month. I play the Neutral Ground Coffee House down in New Orleans once a mm -hmm. month. Uh, Carrollton Station, another funky little venue. And I play a uh, cafe here, the Flagpole Cafe, once a week. I've got a regular weekly gig down there. Um, so I'm, I'm sort of keeping the gigs going at home. And then I'll take off and do some shows on the Gulf Coast. I'm going to be over at a place called the Jeweler Room uh, once a month for the next few months over in Ocean Springs. Sort of a funky little prohibition era dive bar um, that has music three nights a week an old old spot in mississippi so he gets to go over and do some mississippi stuff too and then hopefully um have the dates for an october tour up to the delta in the next few weeks very cool very cool well this is awesome i, I want people to check you out um and hopefully when your album comes out i'll have you back and we'll we'll break down the songs and go a little deeper <laughs> you know hopefully that will we'll... be very cool i would love that yeah definitely do that we'll definitely do that well people check him out check out his music his single if you can see him when he's playing and go to his website the website link will be there too for you and support him and join the mailing list there and follow him on all of his socials <laughs>